Welcome to Get Celebritized with Araya McGarry. Araya is an Emmy award-winning TV show host, producer, director, author, and so much more. In 1999, Araya was told she would never speak again after having her left vocal cord nerve removed during cancer surgery. But against the odds and facing adversity head on, she found her voice, literally. And now she uses it to tell great stories of hope and inspiration to help motivate entrepreneurs to earn more, live more, and give back more. Now, let's get celebritized. Now, here's your host, Araya McGarry. Good evening, hello, good morning, depending on where you are listening and viewing my show called Get Celebritized. I'm your host, Araya McGarry, and I am so excited tonight to introduce you to not only a 24-time Emmy award-winning journalist, but a dear friend of mine, the former president of the Southeast Emmy Awards, and he is so humble at all the accolades he has achieved in his life, but he agreed to come here with me today on my show to talk to you about what it took to get to where he is today, what struggles he might have encountered, what got him through, and to give you all hope that you can do your dreams too, and nothing is too big or too hard for you, because if you keep at it and you never give up, anything is possible. So without any further ado, my very special guest today is Jeremy Campbell. Jeremy, like I said, is a National Emmy Award winning journalist and 23-time Regional Emmy Award winner. In his, through his years of field of expertise as a reporter, his work has helped change lives, change laws, and reached millions of viewers. In 2020, he left Atlanta to our dismay, but he joined the leadership team in New York City at NY1 as managing director of editorial. Jeremy oversees the reporting staff and managing editors. The team is focused on crafting character-driven stories that make a difference in America's largest media market. As a news director at WBIR in Knoxville, he led a team of more than 60 journalists through 10 hours of live coverage a day. That is no small feat for sure. He focused on content, innovation, growing a more inclusive workplace, and delivering coverage that engages viewers, all while keeping crews safe during the start of the coronavirus. Under the Liz leadership, the station was honored with its first Mur Murrow Award for digital coverage and its first National Gracie Award. Well, let me bring Jeremy Camel up to the stage. Jeremy, welcome to Get Celebritized. Araya, hi, it's so good to see you. It's been too long. It has, it has. You're coming straight in from your guest desk in New York City, is that correct? Live from New York, right to you. Yes, yes. <laughs> I always want to have my own show is live from New York. It's been celebritized. <laughs> Jerry, how are you loving in New York? I know we were so sad to lose you here in Atlanta. You were such a staple here. And you know, the president of our Emmy Awards here as well and did such a great job. And then you got one promotion, I guess it was a promotion up to, to Knoxville, and then you went on even further to New York City. Tell us, was that the dream to get to New York eventually? 
you know, it was the dream that I had sort of thought passed me by. We, we, we have things that, you know, we start out in our, our careers and we think, oh, yeah, I, w- I want to be, uh, you know, at one point, my, my dream was I want to be a reporter in Atlanta and everything was working toward that. And I was able to achieve that. And then uh, sometimes there's dreams that are just a little bigger than maybe we dream for ourselves. But uh, but yeah, the the opportunities came and, and I followed them. Leaving Atlanta was a really tough thing to do because of all the wonderful people like yourself who were there. And, um, you know, really, I, I had some of the best friends and did some of the best work that I've done while in that city. Um, but, you know, we we go with the opportunity and uh, and uh, appreciate what's in the rear view, but look, you know, straight a, straight ahead down the down the road, and uh, things have been great. Things have been great. Um, it, it's been a, a awesome opportunity here, and uh, you know, New York City is a pretty great place to live. I, I, I you might have heard that. <laughs> Yeah, born and raised there. I love it. I miss it. But I live vicariously through your post. I hope everybody watches um, and follows you like on Instagram and Facebook because you do post some beautiful pictures of New York City. You've got a great one of my favorite things to do is just, you know, like after work, wander around and snap some photos of of whatever, whatever catches my eye. Uh, So many wonderful things. So that's that's one of my favorite hobbies. I love that. You got a great eye for that beauty and a great eye for great stories. So we're talking about you moving around is, and I always thought that, you know, I, you know, I love TV, but I never thought to ever want to be a journalist because I thought, well, you'll never sit still. You'll always have to keep it kind of like the military. So first we're getting to that. Did you always wanted to be a reporter? And did you always know that that would be part of your course? Like do we, as a reporter, do you always have to kind of pick up and go where the next thing takes you? I I knew from a young age, thanks to my grandmother, when I was still in high school, she said, I want you to be a TV reporter. That's what I think you should do. And, you know, she and I would watch the evening news together, Peter Jennings. And uh, she said, if if you get to do that job, you can you can be on the front lines to history. You can travel the world. You can see it all. Um, And that stuck with me. But I, I was a bit reluctant to get there. I, I grew up in a small town, uh, Langston, Alabama, population 202. When I say small town, it was a small town, tiny little town. Oh my and when I graduated college, I, I, I was ready to get to a city. I, I, I And when you start in as a reporter, uh, especially at, at the time, um, it involves, you know, often going to a, a, a smaller city, a, a smaller TV market and working your way up. Um, and I just, I resisted that. I wasn't quite ready to do that. So um, I was fortunate enough to get uh, some jobs working behind the scenes in TV and uh, ended up moving to, to New Orleans, fell in love with the city. And uh, my first job there was as a barista. I, I, I moved there with, uh, you know, maybe if I was lucky, $50 in my pocket at a, at a job at the coffee shop and uh, just really soaked up the culture of the city there, um, all the while dreaming of making documentary films, dreaming of telling stories that would have an impact and make a difference. I, I truly believed from the start, that's the power of what we do. Uh, and it was Hurricane Katrina that, that really changed the trajectory of my career and my life. When, when, it, uh, when it hit the city, when it hit New Orleans, uh, that's when I couldn't put off that dream any longer. I, I was watching it all unfold on TV and I wanted to be in the thick of it. I wanted to be reporting on the city that I knew and loved 
And so uh, from, from that moment, I declared now is the time and uh, grabbed my little camcorder that I'd been making independent documentaries on, started telling the stories of the city immediately following the storm. And within a few months, I repurposed that into my first uh, TV reel, even though it had never been on TV. Um, I told some of those stories as a reporter would sent the tape out and that's what led to my very first job as a reporter in lafayette louisiana just down the road from new orleans where i could cover hurricane recovery for the next year jeremy oh my gosh i hope everybody's hearing this hope so i'm gonna recap a little bit because you went from your grandmother seeing something in you says i think you'd be good at that to going on going to school getting your education and working as a barista and then feeling that calling that this is what you wanted to do. And from there, I mean, long story short, you know, 24 Emmys later. So I really want the listeners and viewers to hear that if something's calling inside you and you feel led that like when Hurricane Katrina came and you just had that pull that you want to get in there and you want to be the one to share these stories. I feel that's our calling. We know we have it. Too many people resist. You know, I couldn't do that or I'm not good enough or I don't have enough of this. Do you feel that you ever felt like, you know, that, well, I can't, or why me, or I'm not qualified enough. Talk to us a little bit about what could have stopped you in your mindset to maybe not jump in and do it. Because people are feeling a little hesitant now and a little bit of fear as they're, you know, trying to go towards their dreams. I just wasn't sure that it would ever happen. You know, I, I was I was crafting a, a an audition reel from material that I had shot on my own, and um, I had a lot of hope. That's one of my favorite words, hope. I, I was full of hope, full of determination, um, but I didn't know. I didn't know what was waiting on the other side. And uh, you're absolutely right. It starts as a whisper, and you know, you hear that idea is often a whisper in your own mind. Uh, that's your calling. I should do this. And if you just let it sit and think about it for a few hours, for a few days, for a few weeks, if it's the right calling, it will not go away. It will grow louder and louder and it will become all consuming. Yeah. Yeah. That's how you know it's your calling, but you have to listen to it. You have to acknowledge it and you have to be open to thinking, maybe I should do this. Absolutely. You know, one thing I really love is I've been involved now with the, the Southeast Emmys and meeting and like these last, gosh, it's been since 2008, I think, that I've been involved and going to our Emmys and meeting all the amazing journalists and newscasters. I find this community, commuting, tell me if I'm wrong. Uh, I don't know what it is about you guys that do this. You have such a great heart for mentorship. Every single one of you that I met, you know, the you, Karen Greer, the Monica Pearsons, and just Fred Blankenship, everyone around here, you're always giving back to the young, younger generation. You freely pour into, you know, they come up to you like you're the movie stars because you are, and they're trying to get wisdom from you. And you all just freely give that wisdom and knowledge. And that just warms my heart. You're so giving in this community. Do you find that as well? I definitely find that in the journalism community. It's almost like we feel this, this um, deep debt to pay that back because none of us, you know, none of us get there on our own. It, it's yeah. all about mentorship. It's all about the people ahead of us that have um, taken a moment to do small, medium, and large things. Sometimes, you know, sometimes an encouraging word from someone like you just mentioned, Karen Greer, the magnificent Karen Greer, mm -hmm. um, a, a small word of encouragement from her um, to someone who is at the very beginning of their career or maybe even a student, you know, that can be the thing that carries them through. Um, and then also there are the large things too. Uh, you, 
you'd mentioned the Emmys and, you know, a, a story that I love to tell yeah. um, is is about uh, who I like to refer to as my Emmy godmother, Miss Evelyn Mims. Uh, she is a longtime president of Natus Southeast. Yes. Um, and she has been a significant force in, in my life and in shaping my career. She was one of those people who, um, who, who really, you know, contributed in a large way. And she may not have even known that at the time. She and I first met in 1998. I had seen a flyer on a bulletin board. And I don't mean like a bulletin board that you see online. I mean in <laughs> an actual bulletin board on the wall with thumbtacks uh, at, at my school when I was going to college. And it was, uh, it, it was a sign saying, enter to uh, to receive a, a Southeast Emmy scholarship. And I, I saw that Emmy statuette on the bulletin board of course that caught my eye and (laughs) what is this i didn't know that there there was a chapter of the emmy awards in in the southeast in atlanta so i i read the flyer i wrote the essay i sent my transcript i applied for the scholarship and you know a few weeks later i i was fortunate enough to receive it and part of part of that endeavor is you get to come to the southeast emmy awards to to soak it all in and uh when i did i remember so vividly my first time in in that ballroom it's the same ballroom at the grand hyatt where the emmy awards uh happen now still to this day and I saw all of those, you know, shimmering statuettes, those Emmy Awards, and more importantly, I saw all of those journalists on stage accepting awards for stories that made a difference in the, their local communities. Uh, I saw the power of journalism and how it can change lives and change laws, or just give someone a, an amplified voice when otherwise they wouldn't be heard. And and through all of that, when when Evelyn Mems, president of the chapter at the time, presented the scholarship, she challenged me to come back and win an Emmy. And I truly felt that that was like a responsibility if you if you're given the you scholarship. You don't say no to Evelyn. You want to do it. You don't say no. Like I, I truly felt like, okay, I have to do this. I took it very seriously. Uh, and uh, I took it to heart. And you know, I, I very fortunate, you know, years later, there's the tally, there've been quite a few, but I have to say, and I think it's crucial to point this out. Um, you said at the beginning, that the count was something like 24 Emmy awards. Well, I have not won many more than that. And there were so many years when I would put all of my hope into, into those submissions thinking, this is the story. If I could just win one and I would enter and I would, I would not win. I would not get a nomination. I wouldn't get a callback. It would be nothing. It would, it would just go out into the world and, and that would be the end of it. And, and that's part of the journey, you know, mm-hmm. in any career uh, has ups and downs to that. And I think what's really crucial uh, is to recognize that, you know, recognize that, uh, you know, brace yourself, there will be ups, there will be downs. And when you're down, that's okay, because there's an up coming along on the ride, too. You just have to hang in there and be relentlessly positive. Keep following your, your inner voice, listen to that calling and stay on track. Absolutely. You know, I always like to say fail forward to success. And if you don't try, you can't win, kind of like the lottery. If you're not in, you can't win. And you have nothing 
to lose for trying. I try to really share that that inspiration with everybody around me. What have you got to lose? You know, because you all in the journalist industry, when I was reading your accolades, Jeremy, because I, I know you, but we forget to kind of dig in and say, oh, I better look at his accolades and see, you know, what his bios really is, because I wanted the listener viewers to know. And when when I did that, I realized you really do, all of you journalists and TV news anchors, you change lives and you change laws. Can you tell me any any kind of particular story that was close to your heart that really made a difference in changing laws? Because, you know, all the glitz and the glam and all that is all fun. It's great. It's wonderful to be awarded as you all should be. Everybody should be awarded whatever career they're in because it's so great to get a PhD, a master's degree, an award. That's wonderful. But when, And then the, the real nuts and bolts, I know everybody loves even more than that, is when their career changes lives. And you Yours can change laws. Tell me about maybe some that have made a difference for you and for others in a significant way, because you really do change laws. Uh, no, that that is a great question, and you know you you do that through great storytelling and by really focusing on on the people affected by issues that that matter. And um, when when you ask me that question. Um, the, I, I think of the investigation that my team in Atlanta put together uh, called Charlie Foxtrot. And that focused on the lack of benefits for our veterans who, who served overseas. And um, a little backstory on that. Um, I, I was part of a, a, a team called Atticus when I was working in Atlanta. And uh, we were tasked with, uh, with, with trying to tell stories in a way that truly connected with the modern viewer. So we we really threw all the rules out the window and we focused on investigations that can make a positive difference through exceptional storytelling uh, that would reach viewers where they are, which let's face it, is, is often on their phone, on their, yeah. on their streaming service. And we created docu-series reports with a completely different format. They played more like Netflix than they did what people thought of as a TV uh, investigation at the time. <clears throat> Our very oh, first, right. um, they would be about half an hour. Maybe okay. some would be a little more, some would be a little less, uh, and they would be in different episodes. So our, our very first uh, attempt at this format was an investigation called The Triangle. And it was our great experiment. We hoped people would watch it. We put a, a, a lot of work, a lot of research, a lot of care into telling that story. We released it on a Thursday online. And by Monday morning, it had millions of views. It was just spreading um, and being watched and, and gaining all of these clicks. Um, I tell you that, and you might be thinking, what does that have to do with Charlie Foxtrot and military veterans? Well, Charlie Foxtrot was our follow-up. That was our, our, our second release. And when that release came out on a Thursday, we were sitting, waiting on all those views to come in, waiting on, on the success. And what do you think happened? Crickets. <laughs> Crickets. The clicks were not coming. They were not coming. So, you know, we were thinking, but, but we put all of this research. We found, you know, just the right people to focus. It's such an important issue. Why, you know, why are people not watching? Well, the right people were watching. And because of that investigation, we were invited to share our findings at the United States Capitol for a bipartisan group of lawmakers. Clips were screened. Um, we were part of a, uh, an, an interview segment with uh, some members of Congress. And within just a few weeks from that, the Fairness for Veterans Act passed 
which which helped move the needle in uh, helping to uh, get toward some of those services that our veterans deserve. So the impact was there, even if those millions of views were not. And I share that with you because it, it goes back to uh, the highs and lows. And, yeah. and that was, that was you know, we had a, a high with our first investigation. We were ready to ride that wave again, and and it felt like a low when the views weren't there. But in the end, what matters are the results, and it's not all always about how many people watch. Uh-huh. But what it is always about in journalism is is the impact and how you can help make life better for the people affected by the story. You make a great point. So many times, even like in social media and in my world, we're, we're coaching and we're coaching entrepreneurs. The social media, I think everybody's starting to get that memo now, memo now more than ever. It's not about the vanity followers or how many clicks or views, anything like that. As much as is what you said, the right people watching. We talk about that a lot. If you have a hundred followers and they're the right followers and they love what you do, you solve the pain that they have and they engage and they comment and you're serving serving them that means more than having a million followers and they're all just scrolling and just kind of they're not even engaging but it's just like a number so you may you really brought that point home i'm glad you said that because it matters when you're putting out work like that as well too it wasn't just the big the big number it was the right people watch and look what you ended up in washington that is so cool and i hope everybody's really hearing that because we can't get caught up in the fanfare or the numbers or not enough people see me or not enough people are watching or not people you know are following me and it's the right ones will. Were you working for a station or was that independent? Because I want to give um, the viewers now some hope about some advice you would give them. Uh, but first, were you working for somebody else? Were you freelancing? Did you put that up on YouTube? Or were you working at a station at the time? I, I was working at 11 Alive at the time. Oh, uh, 11 Alive. Yeah, yeah. That was in uh, 2016. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. All right. So now for some advice to those watching, whether they're parents and they, they want to help encourage their kids, their teens, the little ones saying, that's what I want to do. Give us some advice on what you would tell tell us if you're thinking about, I'm feeling the whisper of the call to be a journalist or a news anchor or even a cameraman, an editor. Talk to us a little bit about what that should look like and the advice you can give us from the ups and downs, which they do first or avoid. Well, first of all, I think the good news is, you know, right now I I held it up before I hold it up again. But thanks to these phones in our pocket, um, really anyone can get their start. You know, it's you can if if you do have someone in your life who is interested in being a journalist, no matter their age, um, this will connect. And it's also great for practice. You know, the cameras on the iPhone are incredible Uh, for not too much money. You can buy a nice microphone that that helps with the sound quality get a tripod get a little stabilizer Mm -hmm. Uh, i i have one right here behind me and all of a sudden you know you you have what you need um to to craft a report so i i think that it's easier than ever to get the practice in um as far as you know, your, your camera skills, you know, learn everything, learn how to uh, certainly how to shoot, how to edit, um, practice uh, being yourself. You know, if, if there's, if, if I could wave a magic wand and, and help every aspiring journalist um, really get 10 steps ahead quickly, what I would say is 
don't make you know make sure you include yourself in your presentation often uh it's like fake it till you make it and people will um they'll start a reporting career mimicking what they think a reporter should be and um you know and 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 there there's something to be said about faking it till you make it but you should never leave yourself out of it. So, um, you know, approach it with how can I bring what is unique about me to this role? How can I how can I be my authentic self for the camera, and um, you know, focus on that and you know, read everything. Be as informed as you can be about ethical journalism. There's so many resources mm. available uh, to, to learn how to not only do things smartly, but also do things uh, the ethical way that is, uh, is, is respectful for, um, for not only the person you're interviewing, but the subject matter. You know, there's a great responsibility of, of telling other people's stories, mm. and that should be taken very seriously. But I, I'm a big fan of, uh, if, if you're hearing that calling, there's, there's ways that you can get there. So that's, that would be step one. Um, and you know, beyond that, uh, look for a, a path to get involved. Um, Natus is a great way to, uh, to, to do that. Uh, you're an expert as a, as a, a board member and one of the officers of the Southeast chapter, um, you know, the student production awards are a fantastic place to, to network and get to know, uh, some of the, the up and coming, um, journalists and, and students who are taking part in that. So um, the avenues are there. You just, you have to be relentlessly optimistic and accept that it's not going to always be a yes. And mm-hmm. when it is a no, hang in there. Yeah. means No means next. It's okay. And uh, you know, the young people now, I think they really get it. They're all, they're creating content all the time, but if somebody's looking for, maybe they're, they're, they're thinking they're too old to get in this. Maybe they're, they're thinking they're already 40. I mean, gosh, knows I didn't even win Miami until I was 48. But uh, I just always just keep going, you know, <laughs> just live, live fast, keep going, try everything. That's all good. But a lot of people might think that, well, you know, I don't know how to use what you just said or how to start. Maybe they're the generation, my generation that's saying, but I want to do something in journalism. But let's talk about how do people now apply? Are, are they hiring? Is it something that the newsrooms, let's say somebody wants to get a job in a newsroom, do they already have to have a YouTube channel to show off their talents or do they submit? Just real quick before we get into the wonderful book you wrote, we're going to talk about next. Tell them what the step would be or the the way, the platform now to get jobs in journalism in their local television stations or news stations. Sure. Well, I, I think the path really is, you know, if you can acquire an internship, which often to intern with the station, you often have to be in school. So if you're not currently in school, that that could knock some people out. But there's all sorts of different experiences. And, you know, that we are um, at the in in the midst of what I think is a new golden age of of television, because all of the rules are being rewritten with with streaming services with the way people are connecting uh, through social media and um, TV is still a big part of that but it's just one part of that so connect in any way that you can get creative in your storytelling and and how you're representing yourself um and just you know take the risk um you you will need to put you know a a great sample together um if you could build you know build a link whether that's on youtube or if you could build your own website that shows some of your work um you know put your best foot forward and ask questions uh one one of the fundamentals of uh, being a great journalist is to be curious, to be inquisitive. So 
you know, a, approach that with your own quest in, in how to start your career and, and ask the people who know, like, hey, could you take a look at this? Could you give me some advice? Could I get some feedback? Could I send you a new link in a few weeks? And chances are you're going to find, um, as you said at the beginning of this interview, um, it is a culture of, of, of paying things forward uh, yeah. and of, of kind of, you know, investing in the next generation of journalists so uh don't don't be deterred if, if you feel that's your calling you know keep yeah, trying absolutely and i would love now is social media because i just put up jeremy's website and if you're listening on a podcast it's jeremycampbell.online and if you want to see some great samples of what jeremy's talking about like putting reels together he has a whole page of some of his his samples and his reels and you can look at those and emulate see the style see how he, things are done and then look at other newscasters how they do it but jeremycampbell.online look him up follow him on social media and follow your local newscasters and and newsrooms engage with them ask questions be their biggest fans i know nobody has ever been in a business too long where they don't enjoy great comments great fan mail now fan mail social media they love hearing that you love the story that they did or you're rooting them on or that was a great piece you know i'm a student i would really love you know i'm watching you love some advice you all are so approachable and you talk to your fans and i love that so i really encourage people to, to follow you follow their local newscasters and journalists and not just the ones you see on the air, but go onto the website and see who else is out there. The on-site reporter, the ones that are doing the, the investigating reporting that aren't the two or three news anchors you see at the different hours as well. Do you agree, Jeremy, on that? Absolutely. I mean, you, you said it best. It's so great that you're so proud. Back in my day, I mean, you didn't even know where to find, you know, anybody that was on TV. It's like people are sitting at fan mail. I'm like, well, how do people know addresses to send fan mail? But now it's social media. So there's so many know. ways to connect. It's true. It it's really true. is. And you guys are so approachable. Appreciate that. Well, before I get to talking maybe about some of your best interviews, your worst, maybe some of your celebrity encounters, some things that were highs and lows, I want to take a pause and talk about you have a book. So here you are, an investigative reporter, and you've written this beautiful book that's coming out, and you had me at animals, Jeremy. I don't even know if you know that. <laughs> but oh my gosh, animals are my love and passion. And I actually won Miami Award for Noah's Ark, where I was hugging animals and bears and lions and birds and Wow, I just can't wait to get your book because you wrote it and because I love the premise of, and it's called Between the Causeways. Tell us a little bit about this wonderful project that you are getting ready to, for us to be able to have in our hands and read. Well, it's definitely for and about animal lovers. Yes. Uh, Between the Causeways is, it's a work of fiction, which was new for me as someone who's used to covering uh, the real world. But Between the Causeways is inspired by a real life, real life dog story. It's inspired by a true story. I love that. And, um, you know, this is all coming full circle uh, because it's inspired by uh, and written at the request of my mom. I mentioned earlier in the interview that when I was when I was uh, very young, my grandmother said, you should be a reporter. Well, a few years ago, uh, my mom said, I want you to write a book about what happened to me between the causeways. And this story is inspired by that. Um, a few years ago, she was uh, she was a part of a, a group of strangers who found themselves searching, trying to rescue a little dog on the side of the road in a small southern town. And for a full year, she was stopping every day, 
side of the road trying to rescue this little dog. And over the the course of uh, that year, she discovered she was not the only one. And uh, the the book really, you know, adds a lot of imagination to that premise. And it's about what happens when three strangers become friends, all connected to uh, the the attempt to make life better for a, a little lost dog on the side of the road. And the, the, uh, the takeaway is something I think all animal lovers can agree, which is a dog can change everything. And in this book, it certainly does. So um, if I, I can't wait for you to read it and, and share your review and, and, and let me know what you think. It comes out in just a few weeks. It's up for pre-order now. I've already pre-ordered mine. Y'all can go to jeremycampbell.online and pre-order it. Jeremy, you're a wonderful writer, too. I cannot wait. And I was so excited that you did this. And I, I don't know if anybody is hearing this from Jeremy. Jeremy, you're such a wise man because you listen to the women in your life. Do you realize that? The first one was your grandmother. The next one was Evelyn Mims. And the next one you're telling us now, it's your mom. <laughs> I clearly take instruction very well. <laughs> you do. Somebody out there, listen to your moms and your grandmas. And the smart women in your life. How smart is that? Well, it's so exciting. Uh, when you decided you wanted to write that book, though, Jeremy, but there's a lot of people out there. I, I work with a lot of, especially women, that say, oh, my gosh, I'd love to write a book. I have this idea. Or I really want to get my story out there. What was the first thing you had to do to get that book, make it put into fruition? Because people don't have time. I mean, how do you, you know, kind of say, oh, I'm going to do this? I, I, you know, for for months and months, I thought about it and had the intention to do it before I actually put words to the page. And um, I think you just have to bite, take small bites, you know, mm -hmm. like just, just knock away at it as you can. I remember when I had written the first thousand words, I was like, I've written a thousand words. And then, um, you know, months later, I think I hit 10,000 words. And, and I was like, I've written 10,000 words and a thousand didn't seem like so many. And somewhere along the line, I, you know, I got to about 53,000 words. And I was just sort of like, wow, this really happened. Sentence by sentence, drop by drop. And, uh, you know, for me, it was, it was a story that, uh, I, I wanted to tell. I, I, I had that calling again, that, that passion and that whisper. Um, and it helped that I, that I, it was inspired by, mm -hmm. uh, you know, someone who means so much to me. I, I really wanted to get the book across the finish line, but, um, it, it, it took a while to get there. It definitely took take? a while to get there. I mean, depending what you count, you know, from, <laughs> from idea to completion, it was, you know, probably a year and a half, but I think that's misleading because a lot of that is just, you know, like I need to start writing that book. <laughs> well, a lot of people, I mean, they're going on five years because they spent the first three and a half. I really need to write that book. And you really mm -hmm. have to work on, like you said, carving out those little pieces of your day and make it consistent. Like maybe it's late at night when I was writing my books and different chapters of people's books as well. It was like, you know, at 11 o'clock at night and I had to schedule it in. So mm -hmm. I knew that I needed to schedule in that time when everything was calm, 11 o'clock, a few days a week to write for an hour, two hours. And before you know, you might be writing five hours, but it's really important to eat that elephant one bite at a time, but you got to start, you got to take that first bite. And then whether Absolutely. it happens in a year and a half or five years, it won't happen unless you start. And it will happen if you just don't quit and keep it up and it doesn't matter absolutely so a year and a half that's not bad at all i thought you're gonna say a lot longer so good for you and i want an autographed copy i'm just saying so I'm absolutely for you anything 
Yeah, oh, you're so sweet. Well, you got to come back here and you got to sign it off in person. I got to come up to my hometown in New York and get you to sign it because I love sign books because I really appreciate the stories that are told. And this one is, sounds amazing because dog is God spelled backwards for a reason. Dogs do so much for our lives. So this sounds like something right up my alley. All right, Jeremy, as we close up, we start talking about a few fun things, kind of my rapid fire part of the show. I want to know some things that our viewers are going to be, you know, kind of light up to hear about. What was your worst interview ever or the worst story you just ever, ever told that was like, oh, that was just, whether it was bad in quality, <laughs> maybe your first one, or just the person maybe, oh, that was just really a tough one. Because I want to give people hope, like you love to do as well. The worst, one of the worst things that could happen on an interview is called the double punch. Uh, that's what, that's when you, you hit record and you think you've hit it once, but you hit it twice. And wow. there have, you know, it, it, there has been a time when I was thinking I would hit record and I punched it twice and I got back to edit that story and the interview is not there uh -huh. and the interview is over and everyone's gone their separate way. You don't do that often because it's so painful. You learn the lesson and you learn to watch that counter on the screen. Um, but you know, it's, it's a mistake that, that um, is often made early in career. So I, I think mm -hmm. that's about the worst thing that could happen. I'm glad you shared because I want everybody to know that you know, you're not alone. Back when I first started my podcast, I didn't realize my microphone wasn't on and I didn't do it. Oh my gosh. My favorite. And so I did the whole interview and the girl, she was from Nickelodeon and everything was great. And this little sucker didn't even work. I'm like, and it never happened again. Cause I, you do that test every single time. Yep. It will teach ask. you quick. It's a painful, but useful lesson. <laughs> it really is. It really is. All right, what was your favorite interview? Did you have a favorite, maybe a celebrity or a favorite interview did that really, you know, made a difference. It was just fun to do. Oh my gosh. I mean, there have been so many. I'll just give you some rapid fire yeah, things sure. that come to Love mind. Cause I've, I've been very fortunate. I, early in my career, I hosted a, uh, a, a, a music show. We interviewed, uh, bands and um, got to interview Cindy Lauper and Liz Fair and the Cardigans and go to a lot of shows. So, so that was so fun. Um, when I was working in Tampa, um, I had I, part of my job there was to tell just like entertaining, you know, feature stories. Um, I got to walk on fire. I got to go down inside a sinkhole that was, um, had been transformed into this, you know, this Florida lake where people would scuba dive. I got to ride a jetpack in the, in the Gulf where water would shoot out of the jetpack and I, and I would go up Why? about eight feet in the air and then crash into the sea. So I got to have a, a lot of fun. Um, so all of that comes to mind, but clearly what's the most worthwhile are the investigative pieces that, um, you know, that have, have really given a voice to someone who otherwise wouldn't had it, wouldn't have that voice is amplified voices when you can spotlight an issue and also spotlight a solution that, that can help a community uh, come together and do something about a problem. Th those are the stories uh, that mean, mean the absolute most. But you know, these examples show the, the beauty of what we do is it's it's just like life. You know, there there's the good, there's the bad, there's the incredible, and there's mm -hmm. the stuff that just makes you laugh. That's plenty of that for sure. <laughs> Jeremy, <laughs> I love bringing you on and, and these the newscasters that are in my life that I really just admire you all so much. And I want anybody that, that can hear our voices to know, you know, 
not, I don't want to say journalists, but the paparazzi, the, the interviewers can get such a bad rap that, oh my gosh, they want an interview. And you think of it like all these movies and TV shows, make it like a bad thing. You're slamming the door on the, on the newscasters. You're slamming the door on the journalists. And you all really mean to do not harm. You do good. You know, you're the good guys. I, oh, my daughter and I, Angel, we always talk about if somebody messes over, we get bad, we get bad uh, service and somebody's, you know, scamming somebody. We're going to call Karen Greer. We're going to call our new newscaster you know it's like the news is on your side and we love that because nobody can do it better than your local newscasters your local investigative reporter are there to help the community not hurt it not get the gotchas and go to people and get the gotcha stories it's a completely different world of journalists so i want people to embrace their local news I want them to embrace their local newscasters and really know they're there to help you and get to know them and get to know them on social media because you all do so much good so this is the time i'll just give you the airwaves to let you know that you're here and people need to know you because you're just so amazing everything that you do you all make the world and the communities a better place and you work hard at it and you sacrifice a lot you travel you pick up and move you go out you know wind or storm or rain just like those postmen do you know and you're out there getting those stories and you're getting the truth and that's what i love about you guys as well so that's on that thank note. You, thank you for sharing that. You know, journalists yeah. are living and working in local communities. Um, they're, they're neighbors, they're, yeah. you know, their parents, they're active in their communities. And the good guys. What, and the, yeah, yeah. And the driving force is, is, is to use that platform to make, make the world and the community just a little better place through mm-hmm. accurate information. And so many times I watch this because I'm a news junkie. I just love y'all. You're like, oh, there's people you know but i love that the like the ones that are on your side and they do those investigative reporters you know you know uh a community or town home or apartment, you know, the leaks and the landlords aren't helping. And, you know, nothing can be done about it until you call the news. And the news, the journalist comes out there and they get things done. And because the media has power, don't underestimate the media, the power of a news story to tell something that's wrong with what's happening in your community, something that's unjust. I mean, even look at like the Aaron Brockovich's and the ones change the, the, the water in your town or something that's really not supposed be happening you can get slam doors on all the corporations but you get the news on your side and you tell them the story they, you know mountains move and doors open so thank you for all that you all do as you represent and that's why we need that next generation no, no matter the age then the next class of journalists mm-hmm. to come in and join that and join that crusade absolutely absolutely what's the best part of your job i you know i think the best part um is is truly having the ability to uh, to tell a story, to spotlight, you know, the the good, the bad. I, I like to tell people that journalists are there on on the best day of someone's life and sometimes mm-hmm. it's the worst day of someone's life. Um, but they're really there to get the story right. We're there to um, help shine that spotlight, you know, for the greater good. Um, and I think if there's one lesson that that has held true from all of the stories, good and bad, um, that, that I've seen covered over the years, it's that sometimes the worst things to ever happen lead to the best. I've seen this play out in so many stories I've told as a reporter, in so many stories I've watched as a manager, everything from the person who loses everything but turns around to become an advocate and, and helps other people who, who never go down that path because of, of what they you know, speak up to do. Or um, once I covered the story of a, a, a man who uh, didn't have 
he didn't have a, a home, but he did have one friend who was a stray dog. <clears throat> he lost that stray dog. And it actually led to him being reunited with his family and getting him um, into a home. And and guess what? After that story aired, they found that dog. So, Hello. you know, the list could go on mm-hmm. and on and on. But sometimes the worst things that ever happen lead to the best. I'm a big believer of that. Um, it's it's a it's a theme in life. It's a theme that you'll see on the news, and it's also a theme in my book, Between the Causeways. Yeah, it is. Get, get your book at jeremycamel.online. <laughs> it's almost ready to come out. Uh, Jeremy, you've done so much. You've accomplished such such great accolades and told those stories. You've worked your way up from your grandmother saying you should do this all the way up to where you are now. What is next for Jeremy Campbell? And if you say Disney World, no. <laughs> what's next? What's the big dream now? Because I'm a big believer. You got to keep on having bigger dreams, more dreams, and never stop moving forward or we just die well no i i have been very fortunate and i'm in a in a wonderful environment right now where i get to uh, not only be a, a part of you know covering news but also a part of shaping um the next class of journalists and i hope someone out there watching is uh hearing that whisper i'm speaking to you out there who is thinking maybe maybe you should be a journalist yes you should and Come back and win and win an Emmy, and and say that uh, you heard it on Araya's podcast. That uh, yes, you should move forward and do this. So you know that's what it's about for me at this point is just giving back. Um, that word hope that you used at the very beginning that I love so much. You know, it, it, we we all depend on that, and um, that's what my passion is now is just making sure that our communities have strong journalists to cover the incredible stories and the important issues and that our journalists are supported and they have the environment to really do their best work. Oh gosh. Amen to all that, Jeremy. Thank you so much. I know we've been giving your website, jeremycampbell.online, but feel free if I want people to really know who you are, follow you. Everybody knows how to Google somebody nowadays and you're on Instagram, you're on Facebook, but if you'd like to tell the station that you're at and let people know that you're in New York now, what stations they can watch and follow you and engage with you because you're so approachable and they might really something resonate with them from tonight's of episode and if they want to reach out to you watch you on television watch you on the news where can that be or see your stories well the, the i am not on tv these days i'm, I'm behind the scenes but okay. uh, i'm at new york one and anyone who wants to connect you can go to my website send me an email or connect on social media my uh my instagram is jeremy campbell tv or on twitter i'm this is jdc love to hear from you I love that. And he really means it. So if this has resonated with you in any way, whether you want it for yourself or you want it for your kids, that they're dreaming about this and being in in the trenches of being a journalist, all the good, the bad, the everything about it to make a difference in the world, reach out to Jeremy. He was so such a great mentor, such great advice, and he will engage. Jeremy, thank you so much for being with us here tonight. I know there's greater things even in store for you as you keep telling amazing stories and changing lives. In my hometown of New York City, we want you back into Atlanta, back to Atlanta, but that's another show. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for the time. It flew by, and it was great seeing you. It's great speaking to you. 
It's it. Thank you, Jeremy, so much. We will see you soon for Get Celebritized, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode and it did give you hope that your dreams can come true and nothing is too big for you to dream about, hope about, and work hard for. Because you know my mantra for Get Celebritized is earn more so you can live more so you can give back more. With that, I'm Ray McGarry. Good night for now for Get Celebritized. See you next time. There's always hope. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to Get Celebritized with Araya McGarry. We hope this episode inspires you to earn more, live more, and give back more. To learn more about Araya, visit her website, arayamagarry.com, and make sure to follow her at Araya McGarry Productions on Instagram, and join her on Clubhouse at Celebritize Your Business. And don't forget to rate and review this podcast. Thanks again for listening to Get Celebritized with Araya McGarry.